This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Well, what can I say? Uh, I just want to first of all say, Sears and Louise and the children, I am so honored and privileged to be able to share the word of God with you today. I trust that Shofar Church is strong. I know it is. And uh, all your subsidiaries all over the world, because I know you're a busy young man. (laughs) And I really trust that this message today is going to be very relevant. I know most of your congregation are students. And students need to be encouraged. And I hope that this is going to be an encouraging message. I want to speak to you today about... Stepping out and trusting God. It's not easy. Let me tell you something. If it was easy, you wouldn't need faith. Isn't that right? So there's always an an area in your life that you've got to take a virtually a blind leap. But God likes that and he appreciates that. You know why? Because he knows that you are trusting him. See? And And the just shall live by faith. Okay? The righteous shall live by faith. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness, not yours, not mine, God's righteousness. When you trust God, He'll do anything for you. Just like any child, when he trusts his dad, his dad is so happy to help him. So I want to speak to you today about taking a step of faith. Okay? I want to speak to you today about an event that happened in my own life. Remember... Personal testimonies are very powerful. You can't argue with them. You either believe me or you disbelieve me because you weren't there. And that's the most important thing about a testimony. There's nothing to argue about, folks. You either believe the man or you don't believe him. And I know you'll believe me because you know me. And I've got no cause to tell you a lie. I want to tell you about something that changed my life. On the 30th of September, 2012, at about 7 o'clock at night. And while you're thinking about that, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe in miracles? You see, you have to have faith to believe in a miracle. I don't know how many people have told me when a miracle's taken place on this farm, Shalom, oh, well, that was just a coincidence. That was just a coincidence when the rain came and put the fire out. That was no coincidence. That was the answer to the prayer of faith. God does not answer prayer. God answers the prayer of faith. Always remember that. Like the old lady, remember? Who before she went to bed, she looked out her window. There's a big mountain there. She said, Lord, I'm believing that that mountain will be gone in the morning. She closed her curtains, got into bed, went to sleep, woke up the next morning, opened the curtains, and the mountain was there. She said, I thought so. <laughs> she, was never, she never believed it in the first place. I want to tell you the story about the rushing mighty wind. Now, I know many of you have heard about it. Some of you might even have that book. Some of you might have even seen it on video. That gives you more reason to listen up. Because we are living in a time and in an age where we need to see and to believe in miracles. 
If we don't, I'm telling you, the devil will take you away. And he'll take you away through depression, through fear, through anxiety, and through stress. And most of all, through unbelief. Remember, the original generation of Israelites that were taken out of Egypt with Moses, not one of them made it across into the promised land except two men. Moses didn't even make it. Only two men. Who were they? Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they believed. Now that's what faith is. Faith is to believe what you cannot see. And the reward of that faith is to see what you believed. Who said that? Augustine. He was an African. He came from Alexandria. He was an incredibly mighty man of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Correct? That's right. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. By the way, verse 6 says, Without it, without faith, you cannot please God. And he who believes must believe that he is. And that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Okay, that's verse 6. Augustine said, faith is to believe what you cannot see. But the reward of that faith is to see what you believe. And I want to tell you today as a farmer that um, the Lord Jesus Christ is more real to me. I'm talking to you, sis. <laughs> he's more real to me than you sitting in that chair. Absolutely. He, I mean, look, look what he's done. I mean, we're not going to go down that road. And it's got, by the way, it's got nothing to do with me. It's all to do with him. It's all about Jesus. Just believe. That's all you've got to do. How many times in the Bible did the Lord say to those people that he touched and healed, the woman with the issue of blood, Bartimaeus, the blind man, he said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Be it according to your faith. Remember what he said about the centurion? The centurion was a Gentile. He wasn't even a Jew. Jesus said, I have not seen any faith in Israel like this ever in my life. He wanted to go to the Roman's house to heal his servant. And the Roman said, no, you don't have to come to my house. Say the word and it'll happen. And of course it happened. So what happened to me? Well, a life-changing experience happened to me. You know, I haven't had the privilege of going to university like a lot of you. And it is a privilege, by the way. I would have loved to, and I would still love to be able to study theology. I love the Word of God. But what I have done, I've been to the school of hard knocks. I've been to the school of life. And God has taught me through many, many encounters about faith. So now we go back to the 30th of September. 2012, I'm in Israel, I'm up in Jerusalem, the most famous city in the whole world, and I've been invited to be the speaker at the Feast of Tabernacles, and their opening ceremony is down at the Dead Sea, 400 meters under the ocean, and we're driving down there, and it's about 7 o'clock at night, and it is 40 degrees, the heat is unbelievable. I remember sitting in the front row, waiting for my turn to go up onto the podium. A big platform with flashing lights. It was a grand affair. I think I drank a liter and a half of water 
before I even got up there. And it just, as I was drinking, it was just coming out. The ladies were there in their evening dresses. The men were dressed up. It was a fine occasion. Some people, you must think about this, had saved up their whole lives to be able to go to Israel just once, to go to the Feast of Tabernacles, to sit looking right onto the platform. Behind the platform was the lake, the Dead Sea. They call it the Dead Sea. Nothing moves in there. It's just full of salt. And the music, I mean, they had, they, they've got musicians from all over the world. They got violinists from the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra. They got singers from Russia. They got dancers from all over the place. It was amazing. I was, <laughs> I was totally intimidated. I want you to know that. And the guy that was in charge, the, the MC, who's become a very, very good friend of mine, Dr. Jürgen Buller, who's a German who's got a doctorate in physics. No pressure. <laughs> and here I am with my standard eight education from the farm. Well, after the praise and the worship, and it was amazing, and then they had the flag procession, every country represented going through. It's amazing. I think they had over 18 nations represented that night. 18 interpreters, interpreting into Russian, Chinese, um, Portuguese, uh, Spanish, you name it. It was amazing. And the procession went past, and then came the, the moment for the speaker to come up. And I'll never forget, as I walked up, I walked up the side of the platform. It was a beautiful platform built by some uh, Jewish company. And it had those big uh, stands, and on the stands they had lights. And on the side, on either side, they had these massive screens so that everybody could see and hear. By the way, there was between four and 5,000 delegates from all over the world. It was amazing. There were Brazilians there, Nigerians, there were Americans, Canadians, there were Scots and English and Irish. It was amazing. So now it came my turn, and I was very, very nervous. I can tell you right now, folks. And I walked up the side of the platform, and I walked up to Jürgen Buller, and I said, Jürgen, you know, the way I've been taught is that uh, I, I, I'm in total submission to you tonight. I've come as your guest to speak. I will do nothing without your permission. You know what he said to me? He said, Angus, you do whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do. We have been fasting and praying. Listen to this. That the Lord will move like a mighty wind. That's all he said. None of us knew anything. I said, thank you. I got up on the platform. I made the introduction. They had a lectern in front. And by the way, this is all on video. So you can watch it. And I took my Bible. And I said, can we please, after praying, I always pray before I preach. And I normally get on my knees. The Lord says, I must humble myself before he'll use me. I said, will you turn with me in your Bible to the book of Acts? It's the same scripture I'm going to read to you now. Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 1. And this is what it says. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all of one accord. And there was a wonderful atmosphere of oneness that night. All of one accord in one place. And suddenly... There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire 
and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then I stopped. And I took my glasses off. And I closed my Bible. And I put it on the lectern. I walked around the front of the lectern. And I said, Lord, we are in your country. This is Jesus' country. I was so overwhelmed. I was very emotional. I always am when I go to Israel, and especially when I preach in Israel, because I've got a very good imagination. This is the place where Jesus Christ lived. I'm talking about God made flesh. I'm not talking about a godly man. No, no. I'm talking about God who, made, who said one word and this whole universe came into being. He lived here for 33 years. See? Now this is all coming back to me and I'm getting very emotional. See, And uh, Emmanuel with us. I stood in the front of the lectern and I said, Lord, please do it again. That's what, exactly what I said. And I want to tell you that a wind... Yes, there had been a little bit of a wind before, but a wind started up at that moment and it started blowing so hard that I had to hold my hat in my hands and put my shoulder to the wind so that I wouldn't get blown off the top of the platform. This wind came and my assistant Clive, he said to me afterwards, he didn't know where it came from. And he's also a farmer. He didn't know whether it came from the west or east. Just this wind came. It wasn't a whirlwind, it was a wind. It started blowing so hard that the musicians ran up onto the platform to try and rescue their instruments that were going to get blown off the platform, guitars and uh, keyboards, etc. It was an amazing encounter. Those big side screens started tearing. They just got ripped to shreds. This wind started and it started picking up and it got more and more. And I kept saying, come Holy Spirit. And the more I said that, the harder the wind blew. Folks, it was Holy Ghost chaos. That's all I can say. Holy Ghost chaos. These ladies in their beautiful dresses, these gentlemen nicely dressed, started running to the front. I didn't make an altar call. I didn't even get a chance to preach the gospel. All I said is, Lord, do it again. I want to say to you, it started to rain. Now listen to me. It never rains there. If you look at the terrain, it looks like the moon. There's nothing there. Those palm trees that you see in that video, they have been irrigated with drip irrigation from about 100 kilometers away. It was the most amazing encounter I've ever had in my life. And it was total chaos. But I recognized the hand of God. And I just stood there. And I was, I don't know if I was crying, laughing, probably both. People were running forward. They're speaking in all different languages. Isn't that a coincidence? They were speaking in, in, in Japanese. They were speaking in, in French. They were speaking in Spanish. I heard Germans, Chinese were screaming. Some of them were kneeling. Some of them were lying in the dust. And it started to rain and the wind just blew. A young Japanese guy ran to the front. And he shouted, I heard this only after, fire, fire. And there was a big Norwegian, Scandinavian. His name is Jan, with a big beard, a huge man. 
And the uh, only thing he was short of was that helmet with the horns, you know. But he was standing there and he had an OB truck. He brought that truck all the way from Scandinavia every year and he used to film the whole thing. And this little Japanese is saying to him, Fire! Fire! And he said, Yeah! Your Holy Spirit! No, no, no! Fire! And the OB truck was on fire. The wires were touching and sparks were flying everywhere. You know, I want to say something to you, young person. I want to say something to you, old person. Don't ever put God in a box. God will not be contained. In fact, as I'm preaching this message, I can feel the presence of God in this room with my cameraman, my producers, and my son here. I want to tell you, I'm tired of holding back the Lord. I'm tired of trying to put God in a box. Jesus did things that were totally outrageous. Speaking to that woman at the well, he should never have spoken to that woman. First of all, she was an Arab. That's number one. Number two, she was a woman. And you never speak to Arabs and you definitely don't speak to women. And especially a, a woman of uh, uh, ill repute. But you know, when he finished speaking to her, she went back into the village. And she said to the whole village, I've met a man that's told me my whole life story. And the whole village got saved. Well, I want to tell you that night, that's exactly what happened. Those people were running. I didn't make no altar call. I didn't pray no, pray no sinner's prayer. I didn't have to. God appeared to us. You know that the, the, the stage was shaking so much. It was a massive stage. It had a steel structure with all the lights on. And it was going back and forth. Okay? The Jewish um, workers who put that stage up, they were running forward and they were throwing ropes up to the top to try and hold it from falling down. They were shouting to me in broken English, tell them to go back, go back, it's going to fall. I've never told a man in my life to go back from an altar call. <laughs> oh, Jesus visited us that night. It was, it was one of the most incredible experiences that I've ever had in my entire life. You know what one man said to me? A man in England, a very dear friend, David David Harper said to me, but Angus, you know the thing that, that uh, impressed me the most about that whole story? I said, what? He says that you went forward and you said, Lord, do it again. I said, why? He said, because what would have happened if God didn't do it again? You would have had egg all over your face. So what? So what? I had egg over my face all my life until I gave my life to Jesus. Why can't I have egg over my face now for Jesus? The thought never even entered my mind. I was so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Just say the word, Lord, and my servant will be healed. When God tells you and you're walking down the street and you see somebody that's down and out, somebody that's sick, and the Holy Spirit says, pray for him, pray for him. Yeah, but Uncle Angus, what happens if he, what, what, what happens if what? If he doesn't get healed? Well, that's not your business, is it? Who's the healer? Jesus is the healer. Who's the miracle worker? Jesus is the miracle worker. Who brought the rushing mighty wind? The Holy Spirit brought the rushing mighty wind. You know that Angus Buckins' name wasn't even mentioned that night. No one was even interested in me. They were all encapsulated by the presence of the Holy Ghost. It was the most amazing meeting. You know, I went up to my, back up to Jerusalem afterwards, eventually when we finished. And I don't remember when we finished. We couldn't see each other in the dust and the rain and the crying and the laughing. There was no preaching. 
I got in that taxi or whatever it was that took me back to my hotel up in Jerusalem. I went and had a shower. I was in another world. I've never experienced anything like it. I went and lay on my bed. And I put my headphones over my ears. And I lay back on my bed. And I played some beautiful Christian music. And I want to tell you, I did not sleep that night. I could not sleep. I just lay in the presence that I just told Jesus how much I loved him. And I cried. And I laughed. And I cried again. And I laughed again. And I woke up. Well, I didn't even have to wake up. The next morning I went down for breakfast after having a shower. I was fresh. I wasn't tired. And people were just talking all over the place about what God did last night. We must decrease, see, so that he can increase. That's what John the Baptist said. And Jesus said, there's never been a man born from the womb of a woman who is greater than John the Baptist. I want to say to you, your biggest restriction to the moving of the Holy Spirit in your life is you. That's right. And me. And when you can die to self, and then Christ starts to live in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27, then you will see things happen. You don't have to conjure things up. You don't have to make things happen. It distresses me when I see people trying to do that from the platform. Trying to work people up. You don't have to do that. You just have to hand over to the Holy Spirit and He'll do it. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you in a minute. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will give you a deposit of faith that will shake the devil once and for all right out of your life. No more depression. No more stress. No more doubt. No more fear. I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, he said, but of power, of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. So folks, I just want to say to you today, it has been a most incredible opportunity for me to be with you. And I want to thank you, Sears, for being my spiritual son and for allowing me to mentor you. I don't feel that I do enough, actually. I don't see you enough. I do pray for you a lot, a lot, and I think about you often. And I want to say I'm so proud of you and what you're doing for the students. You know, I've got two of my granddaughters are with you in your church. And you, their lives have been transformed. And I tell you what, it's because of the example that you've been. So stay strong. Keep walking by faith. Look after Louise and the children. And remember, I've told you, you never leave home for longer than 10 days. I hope you're keeping to that. <laughs> you've got a lot of witnesses now. Why? Because it's very important to make sure that things are going well at home. You know, I have a wife, Jill. And it's because of Jill that I was able to go to Engedi. To Jerusalem. That's right. Because she was at home here praying for me. And that's how it works. And people say, why don't you take her with you? Because she's an intercessor. And because she's a mother and a grandmother. And because she knows that she has to hold the fort when I'm away. But I want to tell you, I stay away for the absolute minimum time. I get on that plane often after the meeting and I go home. Same time. Same night. I've done it. With you, Sears. So God bless you and shofar. Remember, I love you, I support you, I'm with you all the way, and hopefully one of these fine days I'll see you together in the flesh in that big uh, athletic hall that you've got at the campus. God bless you. But before I go, I better remember what I said. I want to pray for you.
And I want to pray that the Lord will fill you with faith. I know many of you are very frustrated. You've not been able to do your studies. Some of you are wondering whether you're going to pass the year, whether you're going to get your degree. That's not important. What is important is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these other things like degrees and passing your year will be added unto you. Just close your eyes with me, please, and let me pray over you. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name for every person watching this program that you will fill them with faith. We're not going to talk about taking doubt out of their minds or fear. No, no. When you are filled with faith, the devil has to exit with all these demons from hell, automatically. There is no room for darkness when there's light. And so, Father, I thank you for a Holy Spirit encounter for every person watching this program. And even as I'm praying for you, I'm trusting in my heart that God has given you a brand new language. That's right. Not to tell everybody that you're a great uh, Christian, but to have a communication which is so intimate with the Holy Spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and goodbye. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.